Hello everybody, Richard Hart here with Aubrey de Grey. Aubrey de Grey is founder of a registered 503c charity which has been doing longevity research for... How long have you been doing it now? 10 years? Longer? 15? Oh, well, I've been doing the research... I've been doing the research for about 25 years. Sensory Research Foundation has existed for 12 years now, and before that, of course, there was the Methuselah Foundation, which was the previous six years before that. Right. So we, do you remember when we first met? It was 2006. Sense 2. Yeah, um, let me think now. Yes, no, Sense 2 was 05. I think this was Sense 3 and 07 that we met. But was it? Anyway, it could have been. It could have been, yeah. So Aubrey... Uh, he was in Cambridge for computer science doing artificial intelligence research because he believed that that was the thing that could change the future the most. And his wife at the time was working on, you know, genetics and gerontology. And he figured that everyone in biology was working on how to fix humans and, and how to, you know, cure us all dying all the time. He discovered no one was really working on it. And so he decided that in his free time when he was doing computer science things that he would work on longevity and he published a paper that highlighted some things about the metabolism of the mitochondria that weren't really well understood at the time and received i believe a, a degree in biology from cambridge university for that work i believe is that accurate yeah i got my phd basically for pretty much yeah i got my phd from cambridge for essentially this book which covered actually not just that one paper from 1997, but also, I guess, my next half dozen papers. So it was fairly broad ranging. What, what, I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm basically establishing smarty pants authority. So not only is he really good at computer science and really good at biology, but he also, in his free time, published a paper which was received well for, I believe, the game Go. Was it Go that you made a discovery in? Yeah, no. No. Othello? So, um, I, Othello, yes. I used okay. to be a competitive Othello player. And actually, my in, way back in the mid-80s, my undergraduate project was based on trying to generalize board games and get uh, programs to play board games really well just based on the rules. So essentially, what DeepMind did with AlphaZero about um, two or three years ago now was to complete my undergraduate thesis. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, I, I have the same, I have the same kind of beliefs in regards to the stuff that I go into. The reason I was, you know, trying to help out in 2006 is because there's nothing more important than healing the people. People are so important that we actually generated the concept of importance and the concept of importance itself dies with us. If, if we're not here anymore, importance isn't here anymore either. So we, we matter a super duper lot. And if you like all the other animals in the world, extinction level events such as asteroid strikes are going to kill them all again, which is the reason 99.9% .9 of anything that have, has ever lived is permanently extinct now. And it's only us, the humans, that can prevent that catastrophe for everything else. So not only do we have to save ourselves, but we have to save everything else too, because nothing else is going to do it for us. <clears throat> So I, I focus on longevity and that's a really good way of putting it. Thanks, man. So yeah, AI is super important. Go ahead. You are already to the point. Yeah. So AI is super I important. Was just saying, I love the way you say things, Richard. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So I, I tried to I tried to I grew a long beard like Aubrey has because I thought nobody would want to hear about longevity from a young guy. 
And I just hit the brick wall as so many other longevity advocates have where people don't understand that longevity technology keeps you long, young longer, not old longer. And they have, they just, they don't get it. You know, they're like, everything's overcrowded. You're like, really? Cause we've got negative population growth in Europe and Japan. Now they're, they're running out of humans. What happened to the overcrowding argument? And then you get an airplane and you look out the window, it's all empty everywhere. You're like, no, there's nobody stacked on top of each other unless they choose to be because it's better and more efficient. And they, they run all through these other errors, right? Like, won't you get bored? Do you even remember what you ate for lunch two weeks ago? No. And so, you know, change your lifestyle habits. And if, and if you really do get bored, kill yourself, but don't force everyone else to die because you're bored, right? Like, it, you know. And then, oh, dictators will live forever. No, they die all the time and it's not from old age. It's a very risky job. And you just go through and you're like every single, only the rich people have it. Nope, never happens. Matter of fact, rich people's computers are the same quality as poor people's computers. Rich people's phones are the same quality as poor people's phones. It gets democratized. So every single argument they have, you just, you have a counter argument for, but it takes time to cycle through them all. And you were telling me yesterday, um, when we were talking on the phone that it's starting to just now turn around where you can say that you support longevity technology and people don't look at you like you're an alien anymore. So I'd love to hear more about that. I'd love to hear about what, what is changed since the last time I really tried to, to give it a go. Cause this time I'm doing it. Like you're, you're going to get yeah, funding. I mean, <clears throat> really the past... Yeah, really. I mean, the past decade has been so different from the previous decade. And that's, you know, not to say we can be complacent. There's a huge further amount that we have to do, no question. But within the scientific community, the whole concept that we might be able to do something serious about aging has really taken root over the past 10 years. And within the broader, wider world, the kinds of things that I've been saying for a long time are now starting to be said, at least in some form, by other scientific thought leaders and people are beginning to notice that. The w word longevity, which was such a, you know, a, a dangerous word to use uh, with, if you were a scientist, um, you know, you had to talk about health span and things like that. Um, you know, that's no longer really true. You've got conferences and journals and um, organizations using the word longevity and even the word rejuvenation has really been reclaimed. You know, I named my journal Rejuvenation Research in 2004 and um, for the longest time it was, you know, just associated with cosmetics um, in the public mind. But now people are understanding what it actually means. It means genuinely repairing the damage of aging and turning back the clock and other scientists all over the world are using it that way. I saw a nice tweet from David Sinclair a little while ago. He said, soon we'll celebrate negative birthdays, which basically means that every year you can get younger by a year, in theory. I love, I love that idea. I love it. On the other hand, I've got this tragedy, which is so many really smart people, they think we can transcend our biology and be transhumanists, and they shift their focus to a future that they will never get to experience. And all the transhumanists of the hundreds of years before us are all dead and rotting. They didn't make it. Their, their fantasies about robots in the future, cleaning our houses, didn't come true. Shiny clothes, didn't come true. Flying cars, nope. None of that stuff came true. They should have been focusing on earning the right to have those future problems by fixing today's problems. You have to fix the meat. 
you're not, and if you fix the meat, you buy yourself time to fix everything else. If you don't fix the meat, you're dead. And I mean, I don't want to be mean, but like Ray Kurzweil, he's been talking about, you know, parabolic growth, exponential growth and escape velocity and all these things. And he looks at least a year older every year, every time I see him. And he was at the event, like he was, he zoomed into the event that I was at with you in Cambridge and he's not looking good now. So we, if we, unless you want to see Ray Kurzweil die, we need more technology immediately. Like, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around, you know, and you can get rich doing it. You can get rich yeah, doing I mean, medicine. Have, so why not? I, I have, I, you know, I have some sympathy <clears throat> with people like Ray and of course people even older who have kind of always known that it was very touch and go whether their um, ideal goals would actually uh, come about. And, you know, I think part of it is just compromise, but part of it's genuine that people, some, a lot of people genuinely think that, you know, uploading and other kinds of, you know, technologies that might not require better medicine, um, are, you know, a, an acceptable way to go, whereas other people will say, no, that's just making a copy of yourself. It's the same with cryonics, you know, I mean, now, people are genuinely excited by the possibility that we might be able to cryopreserve people well enough that in the future we can just warm them up. But in the decades, the early decades of cryonics, that certainly wasn't true. And everyone knew it wasn't true. Everyone knew that the only way that people cryopreserved in the 1970s or 80s would ever be woken up would be by some kind of uploading. And still, those people are still cryopreserved because they genuinely feel that's better than nothing. I, I think the, I think Even mind... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going back to Ray. I'm going back to Ray because, of course, Ray talks a lot, not only about himself, but about his father, who, who's long dead, uh, and the idea of recreating his father out of mind files, out of just, you know, detailed records of what his father was like. That's terribly silly. <laughs> I mean, it's like... People don't understand the, the reason that people think that they can upload them. The memory is the meat. The only way that you can generate uh, a human memory is to generate the meat that is it. The meat doesn't contain it. Memories are not a software substrate that operates on top of the meat. They are actually the meat. So if you want to re like recreate memories, you have to recreate meat. You need a meat printer. You have to fix the meat. Mind uploading doesn't work. And if it did work, I can't wait till you get hacked by 4chan. You're going to hate it when 4chan hacks your soul. You're going to be like, man, this mind uploading was a terrible idea because <clears> damn, <throat> the internet's mean. And when they get a hold of your mind, it ain't no good. So you need to fix the meat. This You, you don't even have a robot that can make you a sandwich. Yeah, You're not I'm, uploading your mind. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit softer on that than you, I have to say, Richard. I think, for example, we can imagine... This is just a thought experiment. Sure. We can imagine developing many robots that are the size of cells, okay, of individual cells, and that act like neurons, so that we can like inject a bunch of these things into the brain, and they can actually physically connect with regular biological neurons, right? If we if we just do a few of those, then over a short amount of time, those you know silicon neurons will will interdigitate and, you know, uh, connect to and become part of the cognitive network within the brain. And we can carry on doing that in principle 
until such time as all of the neurons are the replacement non-biological ones. So that has no kind of discontinuity of identity in it. It doesn't like, you know, involve making copies of anything. It's just having the brain do what it normally does with the individual, you know, atomic components, the individual cells being replaced by cells that are made out of different stuff. And I don't think physical or biological or, or, or you know, neurobiological reason why that wouldn't work. Well, maybe, but it's like, you know what we'll get a long time before that? We'll get uh, machines that can do what red blood cells do with way less risk. And so mm -hmm. until I can see people that can run marathons for hours and breathe underwater for 30 minutes because they've got replaced red blood cells, you're not getting <clears> neuron <throat> cells. And then before, before we have either of those things, we'll have a sensor that you can actually put in your body to tell you what the pH level of your blood is or what your testosterone level is or anything. We don't like, we are so far away from having anything remotely resembling anything useful that we can put in someone's body for any period of time. What we have is magnets and RFID chips. And that's about the only useful things we put in people's bodies other than like pacemakers and occasionally replacement heart. We're so far away, decades away from these things, but we're not decades away from some of the things that you're working on. So, so it just, people love to work on electronics. They love to work on, on stuff that is shiny and sparkly and they don't want to work on meat and meat is where all the, the potential gains are in the short term because it's been neglected. I mean, Peter Thiel preaches this, that we, the, the electron is where everyone's focused. And because of that, we've had very little progress in the, the atoms. Great progress in electrons, very little progress in atoms. Yeah, I do broadly agree. I mean, I wouldn't be working on the boring, wet approach to longevity if I didn't think that it was the most likely to come, up, to, come to fruition soonest. But I have to always remember that, as with any pioneering technology, you just don't know what obstacles you might hit in the future. So I say always that we have a 50% chance of getting to longevity escape velocity within 15 years, but I also always say that we have at least a 10% chance of not getting there for 100 years if we right. don't hit such obstacles. Right. And, and conversely, the things that look harder now may end up making breakthroughs more quickly than we expect. So I'm all for people working really hard to explore as diverse as possible a range of options. And, and it's, like, it's like charities. A lot of charities are dumb, but if the person wouldn't have given anything to anything else anyway, then it's probably better that they supported that charity. I don't care about poetry at all, but some people do. And if some old person wants to donate their money to something, okay, fine, a poetry, a poetry charity might, might be better than nothing. I know that if we put more money and more human beings on the things that really matter, which is the healing of other human beings, we're gonna make more progress than if we put those same guys on F1 racing, or if we put the same guys on cosmetics, or we put the same guys on advertising technology. A large portion of the world's intelligent people is <coughs> spending time doing things that actually harm people. I'll give you an example, a controversial example. One of the biggest advertisers in the world is this company called eToro. People trade on it. You go to their website, right at the homepage, it says 67% of people lose with us. Right at the homepage, right at the top, it says it right there. But that hides the real, the real fact. The real fact is those that lose, lose so much larger than those that win, that the ratios are much worse than mm. you think. And those guys are controlling everyone's consciousness, shoving a negative behavior, which is net negative for everyone involved, 
and forcing them to do that. And, and part of crypto does the same thing. The only people that can afford to advertise in crypto are people that harm their users. So exchanges, what do exchanges do? They're middlemen. What was in crypto invented to do? Get rid of middlemen. Oh, that's interesting. Where are all the coins? In the exchange wallets. And who makes the most money in these exchanges? Not the good, honest, important on-ramp exchanges, but the margin trading exchanges, where everyone guesses that they can predict the future and they all lose all their money. And they lose it probably to rates in excess of that thing I was making fun of with eToro. And, and it's like, wouldn't it be great if we could align incentives and align goals and get people to do healthy habits like delay gratification and do medical research and focus on the future? Like delayed gratification and choosing the thing that's better for the future over the thing today, that's what all of personal development is. So I wanna see more research. I wanna see more, and research isn't even the right word. I wanna see more engineering. Understanding why something sucks is not a, a prerequisite to fixing it. You can just fix something without understanding how it broke. And it could be a lot easier and quicker to just fix it than to understand why it was broken. And that's one of the things I love about the SENS method as opposed to other methods like uh, Google's Calico project or Larry Ellison's Human Longevity Inc. Or actually, the, I think that's a different company. Larry Ellison had a different one. And they're just focused on single molecule interventions that aren't gonna do much. But you're focused on getting rid of telomerase and, and to get rid of cancer, we're just gonna turn off telomerase in the cells because all cancerous cells basically activate it to, to stay alive. And then we inject it every once in a while, right? So that's mitosense. Yeah, let, let me update you on that actually, because that concept, which I called WILT back yeah. in, I think 2002, yeah. um, that has seen a kind of um, a version 2.0 come along recently, which is fantastic. A group that I work closely with in Dallas, Texas, developed a molecule that allows cells, that causes cells that are expressing telomerase, in other words, cancer cells, not just not to be able to do that and therefore to kind of continue to divide and eventually to divide themselves into oblivion, but actually to keel over and kill themselves at once before any telomere shortening has occurred. It, um, in biological this is faster it, with less waste? Uh, far faster and therefore far more effective. The problem with Wilt 1.0 is that waiting for the cancer to grow and grow and grow and then keel over is, you know, high risk and not necessarily so effective. If you can kill the cells quickly, completely different situation. So the biological technical way of saying this is that this drug turns telomerase into a suicide gene and it's already being commercialized and it'll be, be in clinical trials fairly soon. Let me see if any of your audience want to know more about it. I can uh, um, make information available. Shill it, shill. People want to know. Give us a URL. Yeah. I'm extremely excited about this. Well, so, um, yeah, the, um, the company that's pursuing this is called Maya, M-A-I-A, -A, uh, Biotechnologies, I think. Um, but uh, anyone can write to me, of course, at aubreyatsense.org, and I can connect them with the right people. This company is run by very good people on the business side, as well as having fantastic technology that it's pursuing. So yeah, I'm very, very excited about it. Right. So, I mean, one of the reasons Aubrey and I reconnected after, I don't know, I mean, we might've hit it a year or two ago, but mostly it's been very sparse communication is because I've been focused on originally having fun and then crypto, and he's been continuing to do the hard work of actually trying to save everyone's lives. So he's been doing the more wholesome and better thing. I'm trying to re-rotate back into the better more wholesome, awesome thing of saving people's lives. You know, AI, crypto, and longevity, I think are the three best things that are out there. And AI is already well overcooked, 
but longevity isn't at all. So, so of these three things, longevity is the thing that's getting the least attention and is the most important thing. You can still get rich with it. The life you save might be your own. If it doesn't save you, it might save your kids. If it doesn't save your kids, it might save their kids. And you all be happier, healthier, more productive the whole way. I mean, it's just an amazing, fabulous idea that, oh, you know, it's something I learned from you. If you cure cancer, people only live three years longer on average. If you cure heart disease, people only live three years longer on average. That's 40% each. 40% of people die of cancer. 40% of people die of heart disease. To together, they're 80% of all deaths of humans are cancer and heart disease. If you cured both of them combined, you only live seven years longer. Once you understand that, once you grok that, you need to fix the system that's causing those pathologies. Because just fixing the, the little effects of the, the decaying system, you just you die of the next thing. Like, oh, cancer didn't get you, now you get the heart disease. Heart disease didn't get you, cool, you're getting a stroke, right? So, and of course, the key reason for that, the key reason for that is mathematical. That the risk of death from any particular cause that's age-related goes up exponentially. People still have incredible difficulty just in, intuiting exponential trajectories. Right. So that's what they must do. You're absolutely right with your numbers. Yep. So, I want to see. So instead of instead of just saying that I want to see things, I'm going to help fund things. So basically. I've got a new coin coming out. We're giving it away for free to people, but the people that are getting it for free sacrificed. Some of them will sacrifice to addresses you control, and those coins will get dumped for fiat because by law, as a registered charity in the United States, that's what you have to do. Uh, and then I'm, I, I think the ratio will probably be 75%. So if you sacrifice to a different address, you're gonna get full credit. If you sacrifice to sends, you're only gonna get 75%, but he's gonna get the money and he's gonna do something awesome with it or at least within the guidelines of the charity, which from what I've seen has been pretty awesome. Like you don't have a jet. I haven't seen you blowing your money. I, from what I've seen, you know, you're, you're spending it the way that you should. And if I were to do this myself and just take millions of my own dollars, I'm gonna call you and ask what I should do with it anyway. And I'm just gonna stick it the same place as you were gonna stick it anyway for the most part. So why don't we do things faster and just see you get the money? So I'm if, not sure if you actually know so that's that's wonderful richard that really is and i'm not sure if you know this but um my mother died in 2011 10 years ago in fact 10 years ago minus uh eight days and um she left me a lot of money and i was able to arrange things it was complicated because she was british and of course sense is american but i was able to arrange things so that i was able to make a tax efficient donation of more than three quarters of that money to sense back then so that basically doubled sense I think oh, you yeah. got 12 million and donated 10, if I remember correctly. In dollar terms, I got 16 and I donated 13, yeah. Nice, um, man. Uh, Good stuff. So, yeah. So this was kind of, you know, of course, made a big difference back then, but it was also a case of leading example. And I, um, you know, I think it's been fairly effective. And certainly what you're describing, your um, upcoming plans, you know, that's... I, 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 hope, I, I really think that we'll be able to exceed that, but I don't have a crystal ball right? Like, like we'll see. So it's, and it's more like, so here's the other thing. You can't get better than donating to a registered 503C charity as far as tax write-offs is concerned. It is the gold standard for tax write-offs, I think. So, you know, now I, I, I believe because other charities have better street cred, they just have had better marketing for longer probably still going to include some effective altruism greatest hits in there like mosquito nets and clean water 
but they're not going to get as good ratio as the Sense Foundation. So they they're probably get three quarter of what of what you're going to get. Um, so I, I really hope it works out. And if it doesn't work out, donate directly to sense.org/donate. Um, so actually, I'm thinking you probably have a, an audience that is not only US based. So uh, maybe I should also mention that for people based in the UK or in mainland Europe, there is a me another mechanism for doing the same kind of thing. This is kind of a side effect of the fact that I left my own money to the foundation. We have a way for people to donate tax efficiently if they are British or European taxpayers. I mean, this. I'll, obviously, get into that if you want to know more. I'll, I'll put you on the spot. This is probably a hard question. If it's too hard, don't don't force an answer. You know, if you got an extra like three million bucks right now, what would you do with it? Like, is there a specific really? project that you're thinking would be like, yeah, this this is something we really want to do? Yeah. So that kind of number is actually a fairly easy number to answer the question for because there, most of how we would spend it is not actually on new projects, but by on expanding and therefore improving the parallelism of existing projects. So much of biology is like this, that it's dependent on manpower and kit equipment. Right. And you have to do a lot of trial and error in order to find out what works, because there's so much that we don't understand about biology. So, yeah. How, how much of that stuff that you're doing can microfluidics parallelize? Yeah, um, that would be a big part of it, but actually um, more traditional things, just you know, more sequencing, more mass spectrometry, things like that. These actually, even though they're a bit more mundane, so to speak, they just they have just as much of a difference. Right. Uh, we do right. talk to we do talk to pioneers in microfluidics as well, of course, and there's certainly a place for that. Then, I mean, so what I was saying is that's a relatively easy question to answer. If one asks, you know, what would we do with three hundred million dollars? That's a different question. And, we'll be so uh, lucky to find out. I just saw well, I saw a press article from Michael Greaves that says he's putting 300 million euros into longevity tech. So that's that neat. Why I use that number just now. Uh, and of course, one thing I ought to mention here is that you know a lot of people don't really believe in charities. They think, okay, you know, the, the private sector is more efficient, works better. That's okay now, kinda, because. Um, a lot of the technologies that need to be developed, but which are still somewhere away from real prime time, have got far enough along that at least the early stage, high risk, high reward type of investor decides that they can join the dots to eventual revenue. And so we are succeeding in spinning out projects all the time. We've done it half a dozen times now as startup companies that of course move faster because investors tend to write bigger checks than donors do. That's certainly not to say that we're in any danger of, you know, declaring victory and shutting down the foundation, because there are certainly a bunch of other equally vital areas that have not got to investability yet. And they're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. Precisely. Yeah. It's, in fact, more than not mutually exclusive. Uh, first of all, from the funding point of view, Michael Greve is a great example. He gives us a lot of money as well as investing a lot. Uh, I mean, he only gives us like, you know, less than a million dollars a year, which is not 300 million, but it's still not not trivial. Right. Um, uh, I, we should yes, give exactly. a shout out to, to crypto guys that have really been good if, if they're public about it. I know Vitalik has given two and a half some million. Of are, some of them are public, that's right. So yeah, three years ago at the big first crypto spike, um, uh, Vitalik Buterin, the guy who created Ethereum, gave us two and a half million. A couple of other anonymous people gave us uh, one or two million. We've got a total of six and a half million in three weeks. Um, we've done fairly well over the past eight months or so when things have been going very, very nicely for crypto as well. So, yeah, and, and again, we've had some anonymous donations. Um, but, yeah, it's... Pineapple I mean, Fund I mean, got you guys too, right? 
That was that was three years ago. That's right. right. That was you know the guy decided just to do what I did and give away nearly all of what he had um, uh, unexpectedly gained. Right. Uh, you know, I find I get constantly invited to give talks at crypto and blockchain conferences where I am the only speaker outside of that topic area simply because there's such a big fan base. Except the talks. The they have money. They have um, a lot of money. Except the talks. <laughs> You're not going to find a richer crowd than a crypto crowd after a 100x run up or Hex just went up a thousand X if you were staking in a year and a half, 830 or 40X in, if you weren't staked in a year and a half. It's pretty good. Um, so what else can we do? Because I know we're on a limited time frame. You've only got like another two minutes, right? That's right. Um, yeah. uh, well, I mean, really, you know, you have said it all. The, the financing is the thing. People like myself, especially I know how to spend the money. Um, I mean, the more money we get, the more we think about how to spend it, obviously. Uh, but we want to spend it on doing things faster, getting things through to investability faster. When they reach investability, getting them through the regulatory process faster. That's a process that we're involved heavily in as well, in improving the regulatory environment for these kinds of medicines. And of course, everything else, you know, infrastructure, political support, you know, get, getting the public on board. You know, the day that Oprah Winfrey turns around and says, let's do this faster, my job will be done. Thank goodness. Yeah, my, my plan is uh, token launch coming soon, hopefully does you very well. I wrote a book to help popularize longevity by giving people what they want, which is, you know, money, power, respect. Here's how to live a great life, be rich, loved, healthy. And then by the way, if you like this great life you have, invest in the technology that could make it stick around for a while. And then you've got, I would love to see a replacement for a green fund that does just biomedical research that might help you live longer. So you may not have sickle cell anemia or mosquito nets, but you will have stuff that might help you and your family live longer. And then you just keep drilling down and then you get biotech accelerator and then you've got you pick a hard thing and you do it yourself. It's great talking to you, Aubrey. So sends.org, S-E-N-S.org. It's, uh, it's wonderful catching up with you again. It certainly is, Richard. I look forward to next time. Good luck in the next call, man. Ciao. Bye-bye. Everybody, thanks for stopping by. Um, Twitter.com forward slash Richard Hart win t.me forward slash pulsechain.com for the upcoming fork. Um, Hex, which has been doing amazing, up 1,000x if you were staked in uh, a year and a half. It's more than 1,000x. I mean, some people up like maybe 1,500x. That's fold. That's like times. That's like, you know, 150,000% or something crazy. Uh, t.me forward slash hex crypto and then just hex.com, three-letter dictionary.com. You can't misspell it. If you want my free book, t.me forward slash Sivive, S-C-I-V-I-V-E. And if you want to know more about me and my history and uh, things I've done, richardhart.com. That should do it. I'll type the links in the chat. And uh, it's been a pleasure, guys. I'll see you in the, the Telegram chats. I know you guys love watching me type. <laughs>